0: Hello and welcome to the Wizards of Drivel podcast. You join us in the Beehive pub in Bolton, where we're just having a post-match pint after watching the Mighty Potters beat Bolton Wanderers 2-1. Uh, second half brace from Josselu. Ben, what did you make of our performance today?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it was a weird one. Obviously, I've said to you a couple of times before the game and kept on saying it online. It's just a pre-season friendly. Um, but at the same time, it kind of felt a bit more than that with the comments coming from... Mark Hughes, after that Sheffield United loss, um, also you mentioned Darren Fletcher, and we were talking about it coming out and saying I think he was sort of really disappointed with the result or something like that. So there was sort of something riding on this game, it felt like. And when we went 1 0 down in the first half, after a promising sort of opening 15 minutes, um, it, it was it sort of felt like, oh no, oh no, not again kind of thing. Um, but we made a change in the second half, made three changes, in fact. We brought Juf on um, for Johnson, we brought on Bojan for Sobi, and Hozalu for. Berrejino and all of them I think sort of changed the game in their own little way which which set ourselves up for, for a really good last period of the game and we got two goals um, thanks to so both of them really like lovely interchanges between players which is exactly what you want to see
0: yeah um, there was um, a bit of trepidation when the lineup was announced we saw Cameron Fletcher and Allen and we kind of assumed that that meant Joe Allen at, at number 10 Fletcher and Cameron behind but in reality, it turned out to be three at the back. Cameron playing as one of those three centre halves. What did you What did you make of that that setup? Because I quite liked the three centre half. Certainly, I think if we add Bruno to that back three, then that's a fantastic back three. But my worry, as it was last season, is that we don't have wing backs.
1: Yeah, I mean that <laughs> that is. I think everyone sort of feels like that. I mean, I I kind of felt like Johnson was the better of the of the wing backs, but then when um, when Juff came on in his place, I thought he did I thought he was the best one of the lot um, and I said to you I, I really I know it sort of became a makeshift thing last season but he does so well there and, and once again he, he was an option there so as weird as it is to say I think still Juff at right wing back I don't mind but obviously on that left side there was a number of times when the ball broke to Eric Peters who was given more space when Sobby came off the pitch um, it broke to him a number of times and, and the crosses just weren't good enough um as we are all very used to so in that account we need a left wing back I think if, if we're going to play that system but I agree with you that that 3-4-3 three, three, I don't mind it I mean I'm not sort of a tactics expert by any stretch of the imagination but from what I see mm. and when we look good in that formation I think we look really good and and it gave Shakiri especially so much freedom throughout the 90 minutes he was just popping up everywhere yeah. and anywhere alongside Fletcher Fletcher would pick up the ball give it to Shaqiri and, and and he looked for that through ball. It didn't really work with Berahino in the in the first mm. half did, or the first sixty minutes, or whatever it was. But when Hozelou came on, it, that link-up play really did work well, and, and I, I enjoyed watching that 3-4-3 yeah.
0: I think the, the the main causes of concern with the three-four-three are the for, are the full-back positions. I like, I would be quite interested in seeing Juf and Ramadan be the be the wing backs because both are very good at getting back and can also offer something going forward. Whereas Peters doesn't really offer anything going forward and Johnson's a bit suspect going back Um, and there's also the issue of making sure that the midfield links up with the front three now I thought it was a lot better when Bojan came on the pitch and I thought Ramadan was a bit lost to be honest there was the issue of I don't really think he knew what his role was and I think that kind of Negatively impacted on Eric Peters' game as well, because Eric Peters wasn't really getting forward as much when Ramadan was playing there. But when you have Bojan, who is more suited to playing like further inside the pitch, that allowed Peters to bomb forward and and we just attacked in numbers better. As as you say, Shakiri was excellent throughout, and I've got no issues with Shakiri playing in that kind of floating position. He was everywhere, popping up. Fletcher, as you say also just very composed on the ball he's he's looking a better and better signing with every passing game the question is could Imbula play there I've seen a tweet from James Whitaker suggesting like Imbula could be suited to that picking up the ball from the back three and running forward but Imbula wasn't even in the squad today, suspect he'll play at Crew, but we don't know what his future is at Stoke so a lot of question marks still big, big question mark after today is do we keep Josselu around? I
1: mean, if you're gonna do something I'm like I didn't even expect him to be in the squad. I said before the game to you that Hoslu's starting why why or not starting, sorry, he's in the squad when, when other players that you might expect to be sticking around, like your crouches and stuff, didn't even make that that squad. So I don't know what that is, I don't know if it's getting him back to fitness, but he was given his opportunity and he took it with two goals. Um and just some really good as I mentioned, hold up play, he he's very good at controlling the ball, um, when it's fired into his chest. Um, there was a couple of times that happened. And also just be in that system that 3-4-3 with, with Bojan and Shakiri buzzing around he also doesn't mind to drift off to the left where Berahino is very busy he's always running and I think we saw that a lot today as well but the pass doesn't often work out where possibly he'll give you that other option of, of either firing it into his chest or onto his head or he can go out wide and, and try and pick out a cross um, but yeah Hosler is such an interesting one because he, he's not fast really he, he's not fast He's not sort of massive. He's not like he's no. not a Peter Crouch. What is what is Hossley like? But yeah, he, he did well when he came on. He I, scored. I two think goals.
0: Hossley's biggest strength is his link-up play, and we saw that today. He the both goals as you mentioned. He was in the right place at the right time. He he kind of connected well when we had Bojan Shakiri and Jufon, and that looked good. The, the question is, like. Will we will we see that combination in a league game? Will we see Juf and Shaqiri? Uh, no, not Juf and Shakiri, Bojan and Shakiri behind behind the front man. I have my doubts, and it, it comes back to what I'm not sure we'll talk about later. The whole doubts about what our team will look like going into the season. Uh, on the whole, I thought it was good. I mean, decent performance, some good individual displays. Fletcher, as we mentioned, I was pleased with Kurt Zuma's performance. He didn't seem to put uh, a foot wrong really. As you, as you said, it's like can't read too much into friendlies because, you know, we're still we're still getting fitness and all that. But
1: I've said that but now we're gonna talk about it for at least yeah. half an hour. But, so ignore that comment. But <laughs> now
0: we're definitely gonna win the league. <laughs> but um Yeah, re- really pleasing. But uh if we're talking about sort of the summer as a whole, uh there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of strong opinions online and stuff. And I said to you before the game, I don't know what I think anymore. I don't know whether to be optimistic or pessimistic. The, on the one hand, I see like, our uh, is gone, Bruno's gone, we haven't really made any big signings. And I think, oh, God, we're go- it's going to be a really horrible season. But then you see things like, oh, we're going to promote youth. You know, we've got some exciting young players coming through. It. And you think, oh, you know, we, we could be all right. So it's really a strange time and I think this strange time will continue right up until deadline day closes I think the fact that if we're playing the
1: system 3-4-3 and Bojan especially on that left side, that brings up the question do we need an Arnautovic replacement in a sort of different light now I feel, because do you want to bring in, if we're going to sometimes play that 3-4-3 with Bojan in there on the left side not really on the left side, sort of like an inside forward that floats around, do you need another player to come in and then also challenge for Ramadan Sobi, who's if that's the system we're going to use, not going to get much of a game anyway, mm. then you're sort of overloading that position like we've done with centre midfield. And
0: Yeah, and, and it's that, a weird one and, it. that's, and that's why I'm, I'm really interested to see what Sobby would be like as a wing back because I think yeah. there's a, probably a definite future for him there. But it, it's, it's really hard to judge what Mark Hughes is thinking at the best of times. Um, are you concerned by our lack of transfer window activity? We've, we've signed Fletcher, we've signed Zuma, uh, we've got the young lad Timon in. But does the kind of it 's not even that we 've not made any signing jets that we'd not even seem to be linked with a load of players Does that concern you it's a weird it, it's strange being linked with players because obviously there
1: must be stuff going on behind doors that we never know about but I think there's there seems to be like a network of journalists certainly that have that inside knowledge of what 's going on at Stoke, so when they 're not saying anything, sort of John percy's and um Rob the guy from Stoke that I can't quite remember his last name anymore any but anyway there's a, a couple of journalists on Twitter that if they're tweeting something then it's like oh that's going to happen Rob now Dorset. Rob Dorset. Rob um, Dorsett so that's not been happening and there's been nothing at all in sort of even I mean Alex Opsley-Chamberlain got <laughs> excited <laughs> stupidly um, from the Sun that's how desperate we are um, so yeah it's a weird one but it is it's slightly concerning but at the same time there's there's still two weeks until until the transfer until uh, the season starts not even until the transfer window closes I mean mm. you think about Shaqiri when he signed he didn't, st- he didn't sign until after the season started um, so there's still time obviously the issue with what we're doing and, and not being linked with players is, is that they're not going to have a pre-season with us which is concerning but if they're having a pre-season with someone else is it, is it going to be that much different and, and would you prefer them to be prepared by another manager <laughs> that isn't Mark Hughes that's the question
0: Probably um, <laughs> Question from at SCFC Mill on Twitter I would like to hear your thoughts on Hughes saying that big signings are not likely, especially considering Tony Scholes' remarks. Now, Tony Scholes said something to the effect of uh, he expects the Marko Nautovic money to be reinvested back into the team, which is kind of what you want to hear. But um, Hughes has kind of gone against that a little bit, saying, oh, well, we're not going to go out and spend big money on a player. Do you reckon it's part of the kind of... Thing like, oh, we spent 18 million on Imbula and look what turned out there, or do you think it's just kind of a a more kind of cautious stoke, just kind of not wanting to rock the boat with a big money signing? I think it's probably a bit of both. Like, Mark Hughes, we've talked about him
1: so much about his signings and about his former clubs, and whenever he spent big, it doesn't seem to work out, unfortunately. When he spent big on our players, I mean, None of them have sort of really properly excelled. I mean, Shaqiri, obviously, maybe the exception there. But then you look at Joe Allen, and you look at Imbula, who, who, Joe Allen, still isn't sort of. I don't think he's he's impressed as much as maybe. Uh, certainly, I thought he would. Um, so, maybe it's that kind of level where it's like we're still willing to spend money if there's a there's a player there that's that's to be bought. But we're not going to sort of splash the cash on on someone and, and, and maybe waste that money we want we don't want to do sort of a, a Tottenham all those years ago when they just splash the money on people that didn't work out, we, we want to get the signings that we want and if they're not there for the right money then then we don't need to do it. Yeah,
0: There's also a kind of conversation about when we sign players like what kind of players are we looking to attract, now if we're not spending big money that kind of indicates that we might not be after like first choice players and I've seen people su- suggest things like let's get a guy for cheaper who might not necessarily be a first first 11 player but can provide competition for like the likes of Sobby who's still young, it can provide a bit more competition in certain areas and I think that's that's fine but I don't also want to sign players, even if it's for not that much money, who aren't really focused on that first team, I don't see the point of beefing up the squad for no reason, I think you either have to buy first team players or players who want to be in the first team Oh, you don't because, like, yeah. if if if, you've, if we've signed a player who's happy to sit on the bench, like, what's the point of signing it? Oh yeah, I
1: I do understand what you mean. I I, I slightly disagree. I think I think in some occasions it is definitely worth it. I mean, looking at our signing eleven, I almost think there's not too much that needs to change really. I think the the wing backs that we've brought up already. I think BMI at centre back instead of Jeff Cameron. We said during the game that would be fantastic. And 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 there you've got. The sort of first teamers. Obviously, maybe you'd talk about getting a, a better striker with what, it, what, how it's been going, but we've just spent whatever money on Berahino and with have got everyone else there. So, in terms of first team players, obviously sometimes you'll get a marquee signing that will improve what we've got already, but I think we've got the basis there of a really good team. Just, mm. I literally think the wing backs, if we're going to play a 3 4 3,
0: are vital. But yeah. other than that, I think we're, from what we saw today, I think we're okay. A big question I had watching. That game certainly in the middle of the park was. I quite like Fletcher and Allen as the midfield two in that 3 4 3. Uh, Certainly, Joe Allen, I think he'll be better there than at 10, which you know was my big worry before the game, is always going to be at 10. But I thought he he suited playing there, and I think Fletcher might be able to bring the best out of him because Fletcher's very calm and composed on the ball, he always tracks back to to take the ball and then uh, looks to, to do his business. With his feet, and, and I think that frees up Joe Allen to do more of the Joe Alleny type stuff—the uh, buzzing around, trying like uh, gnash at the heels of of the opposition. But my big question is: if, as we've been rumoured to be, if we're interested in Fabian Delph, where does Fabian Delph come into that equation? Because, like, midfield is the is the position we we're, we're pretty much packed in. I mean, you've got, I think with those two as starters Alan and Fletcher you've also got a look at guys like Ibrahim Afalai maybe Jeff Cameron can play there Charlie Adams still around you know so Imbula good god I forgot about Imbula <laughs> so where the hell does Delf come into the equation does he d- replace Alan I
1: honestly hope I really hope we don't sign Delph I I think he's a, a fine player I think he's he's Good player. He's sort of similar mould to Berahino, where at the moment he's kind of an unknown prospect because we don't know how good he'll, he'll be for us. Which I don't want to sign anyway, like in any position really. So, in centre midfield, which is literally the worst place to sign for us right now because we have such a so many players there. It's it's mm. bizarre. And I would like to see In play there, but I he wouldn't replace Fletcher. I don't think. I think Alan is the one that you could replace. But would you replace him with Delph? I don't.
0: Yeah, I w- like. I don't I don't know too much about Fabian Delf. I think he, he's obviously a good player and but it's the it's the question of what's the right thing for our midfield right now. And it, that question becomes harder to answer when you think that we don't really know what formation yeah. we're going to be playing. The only way that we'd sign Delf possibly
1: and even then we've got two new midfielders if is if we play 4-3-3 and mm. when have we played 4-3-3 really? And when has it been successful anyway?
0: Yeah. Question from Jay Badley on Twitter: If we were to bring in a player to break our transfer record, who would you sign? Now, if we um, if we disregard the your messies, your <laughs> uh like is, is there a kind of twenty to thirty million pound player who might be available to us? You think? Oh, yeah, I'd I'd, I'd sign him. Obviously, it's an easy question to answer when it's not our money, but I think someone like Konoplyanka. Uh, he's he's perennially linked with Stoke And I don't know how available he is Or if he even sees Stoke on his radar But he, his name has cropped up again And like someone like him on, on the wing Would be fantastic But again, what does that mean for our system? Because I see more of a direct winger Than the likes of Shakiri, So I don't really know I don't really know Scouting is difficult, I think
1: Yeah I don't have anyone off the top of my head that I would sign but as I said there's not that many positions that I really think need to change like you're looking at win backs and right backs I really think signing a a great left back is, is the priority for me I know a lot of people have said right back is more important but I think I honestly really like Jif there and mm. I know that's like that might be I don't know that might be wrong to say but he does a great job that, the only reason why we don't like Jif there is because he's sort of not like a striker but yeah. he's slotted in there and every time he plays he puts his 100% into it and he does a good job it's not just that he puts his 100% in it he does a good job there yeah. and he did it again today
0: yeah the thi- if it's a flat back four I'm much happier with our left side than our right side mm. but if it's wing backs I'm a lot less happy with our left side than yeah, our right side yeah. because Peters is very good well he's he's decent at defending don't want to pump up his ego too much but he's decent at defending but going forward like we, we saw it today the classic Eric Peters uh, cross uh, brought us back down to earth a couple of times um, I feel bad for him though because the reaction from the crowd is I just know. so like, derisory of his effort and it's like it was bad but yeah. Eric is alright please <laughs> he's he just terrible at crossing though there's <laughs> no getting away from that Um Birds of Dartmoor on Twitter. Welcome thoughts on Hughes's subtle dig at Ramadan. Our only hope for this season, and also what you think of Hughes's man management in general. And now this was uh, it was a story in the Sentinel which came with the headline something like uh, Hughes urges Ramadan to forget his wedding and knuckle down. Which I think, if if I can accuse the Sentinel of clickbait, was a bit hyped up. I don't think Hughes' actual quotes were really anything to that effect and even if they were I'm not that outraged anyway I know uh Ramadan is a player we all like we all like and want to see a lot more of but that's all right you know sometimes your manager will will bring a young young player down to earth sometimes sometimes he'll have a bit of a pop and that's good for a young player you know we we can't kind of keep the players we like wrapped up in cotton wool and immune from criticism but even then I don't think what you said was actually that critical
1: and I think the answer like on that point my answer to that question would be different I mean I don't know how much I can blame Sobby for today's performance I just don't think he was very good where every other time I've seen him play I've been really excited by him and I think it was, I don't want to be too harsh because I, I do think it was the system but he just he never really got the ball and when he, when he did get the ball his, his pass was, was too slow or his pass was just to no one and yeah. he never really got the chance. He, did, well, he He got a couple of times where he it was where Ramadan's running through the pitch, through the midfield, and, and you are like, "This is Ramadan at his best." And he just sort of it fizzled out to nothing mm. a couple of times, which is a shame.
0: Yeah, I think it comes back to not knowing, mm. not knowing his actual role because when he plays on the wing and he's got a singular focus, almost he's he's going out to the byline and he's running inside, so he you kind of know what he's going to do. And it, the the great thing about Ramadan is, even though you know what he's kind of going to do with the ball the the opposition don't really know what he's going to do because he, he can kind of twist and turn in, in amongst the defenders but today he, I think he struggled with his back being to goal a lot and I think that might be the issue he, he kind of got crowded out a few times yeah. and he might not suit kind of a more intricate style where, whereas when he's out as a left winger he can be more direct so what Another part of uh, Birds of Dartmoor's question Was about Hughes' man management Now This is something That has Kind of been the focus Of a few Rumours I'd say uh, About kind of Discontent within the dressing room Like Are certain players uh, Unpopular Are certain players Bringing the mood Of the dressing room down I know there's been a few Kind of subtle tweets Or not so subtle tweets If If you can think of them like that But There's been Kind of Murmurings about dressing room disharmony, which I I don't know how much to read into them to to be honest, because certainly on the face of it today everyone seems fine. Um, I don't know what have you what have you made of of that r- Well, rumor? I mean I
1: pointed out to you today that everyone sort of before the. Before the match, we high-fiving. Everyone like there sort of seemed to be a point of it. I don't know if if I've I never concentrated on that aspect of the game before, and it happens every time. But there did seem to be I don't know if it was forced or it was just like everyone was sort of coming together. And and obviously there's no we're not going to speculate on this podcast. About who or like what is going on in the dressing room? Because we literally have no idea. Yeah. As much as some people seem to think that we are, we pretend that we're in the know. We are not in the know, and we don't we don't want to be in the apart know. Apart really.
0: from um, Dominic Telford's transfer activity. <laughs>
1: yeah. Apart from that sort of sourcing. Um, the, I, well, we we don't know what Mark Hughes' man management is like. But on that point about Sobby, I think sometimes things need to be said, and and when they're said in public, then it's going to kick someone up the up the bum or mm. whatever. So like. Why not say that if if Ramadan Sobby has come back from from his summer and he's not pulling his weight, yeah, then say something. I, I think
0: Hughes's man management is actually probably one of his strengths as a manager because if you hear what some of his players say about him, it's always fairly positive, and I think that's a big draw in attracting players to the club. Definitely. You know, he's he's a famous player. He's been at uh, big clubs around Europe, so he's he's certainly a big name. His uh, I think when he speaks. That carries a certain yeah, weight Now People talk about his personality uh, Certainly in, in Post-match interviews and stuff He's always very dour We don't know what he's like In the tra- changing room But it doesn't matter If you're a Ranty Raver type manager Or you're a Pep Guardiola Reserve type manager What it what matters is When you speak do, you, do your words carry authority And I think with Hughes That's largely true I think the big Kind of acid test For how good he is As a man management Are players like Bojan, Josselu, Imbula if Bojan comes back and has a great season this season that will be a big testament to Hughes' man management, similarly if if Imbula if stays and does any does has any kind of decent season people will point to Hughes and say well done, well done for sticking by Imbula there so I, I quite like Hughes in that regard, obviously we're not inside the dressing room so uh, but even even in signing players
1: though, like how many times has it been like oh, with Kurt Zuma, how, like he's got a choice out of clubs, he's got a choice out of at least Stoke and West Brom, I think hmm, the clubs were, yeah. and he chooses Stoke. That that's something to Mark Hughes's. That's a yeah. You've got to remember that, and you've got to remember the fact that we've got Jean and Shakiri. You've, you've got to remember that we've got Bojan. That 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 wouldn't. I mean, that wouldn't have happened under Tony Pierce. If so Tony Pierce woke up one day and thought, actually, I'm going to start playing some lovely football, Bojan and Shakiri would not have come to Stoke. There's yeah. no like n- no. So the fact that Mark Hughes can pull these high players in, I think is, is one thing and it shows that he's at least got something about him in, in terms of sort of speaking to people and them
0: listening to him and, and, and showing that he's he's got something about him yeah. in that aspect. Uh wanna ask you about Ryan Shawcross. Um Ryan Shawcross uh um according to well not according to, we've seen the tweets, uh Roving reporter Mitch Adams asked asked his wife, asked not Mitch's wife asked Ryan Shawcross's <laughs> wife on Twitter, uh, "Why hasn't Ryan signed a new contract yet?" And uh, Kath replied, um, "He hasn't been offered one yet." So um, Shawcross's future in doubt, kind of. Um, I, I suspect he'll be offered a new contract. I mean, it's he's still club captain, and there were kind of grumbles at uh, Shawcross today. I don't know if you if you heard them, Ben, but. Sometimes he'd be perhaps a bit slow to a ball. He had the error against Sheffield United and some people have kind of, I've had the knives out for Shawcross almost. A a select few have uh, kind of really gone in on Ryan Shawcross and questioned not only his captaincy but his place in the team. I wrote an article for Wizards a week or so ago about Ryan Shawcross's captaincy saying look. He is our captain for a reason. We we're not just keeping him on in that position for sentimental value, because what's the point? Um, But I don't know what you think about Shawcross's uh, leadership. I, I
1: I'm not going to question Ryan Shawcross's leadership because from our point of view, it's not really changed. I mean, Ryan Shawcross has never been that shouty sort of esque John Terry esque on the pitch, and I'd quite like that as a lead, I think again it sort of it shows that Ryan demands respect from players rather than sort of has to shout about it like like sort of John Terry or whatever um so yeah i i I don't know about ryan he definitely i don't think he seems to be in the same place as he was um before the back sort of injury saga that he's been through, and it's probably a confidence thing i mean you come back from an injury like that, and it's, it maybe is still playing on his mind. And instead of thinking about sort of leading the team, he's doubting himself. Because those comments last season about sort of, oh, the fans sort of, they should be grateful. Or whatever, and there was a the cup, in the ear incident as yeah, well, Yeah, and it's... It? And it's why, why, you, like, why does he feel the need to say that? There must be something there that he's either not as confident anymore, or he's like thinking, maybe? I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into that, but... I feel like if you are on top of the world in terms of sort of confidence and and feeling good about yourself, you're not going to come out and say that. So, I, w- I just want Ryan back. And I looked at him today. I was watching him, and I was like, "Is he the sort of the same? I don't know. Just his body, just his body mm. shape, and his, his prowess just didn't seem the same to me when I was, I was watching him. And maybe again, I'm not. So I'm, <laughs> I'm pretending to be like this body sort of language expert, which I'm clearly not. But it's just, it, it there there is something there that isn't the same. But I think he he did fine today. Mm. I just I want him to hopefully growing confidence and I I am not on the boat that says sack Ryan Shawcross as captain or whatever or give it to Darren Fletcher I think he's a fine captain he's done brilliantly for us and that hasn't changed in my opinion in terms of captaincy
0: I think the signing of Martin Zindy, if it happens could be a huge one for Shawcross because as we saw today I think if you replace Martin Zindy for Cameron in that back three you've got got a quality defender either side of Ryan Mm -hmm. Shawcross who you mentioned that confidence issue that could that could play into it. Just having assurance that you've got a quality defender either side and a top quality goalkeeper in Jack Butland. Um that that could be uh, fantastic for him. And and like you said, it's it's all about kind of I just I just don't see like I know Darren Fletcher's a good player and he's won a lot, but He's, he's a new signing. What does that? What message would that send if we made a new signing our captain straight away? If I was thinking about captaincy, which I'm not, I still think Ryan Shawcross. But if I'm thinking about backup, I'm thinking more sort of Jack Butland because he's been at the club longer. He's kind of he he's very commanding on the yeah. pitch, I think. And
1: and watching Fletcher today, he had a like a great performance. I think he did perfectly. Like he he did exactly what we were missing really last season where he would get the ball one touch, bang pass and it would yeah. normally look for a positive pass which is exactly what we need did he look like a leader like he didn't look any more of a leader than anyone else on the pitch he wasn't sort of he wasn't like everyone was focusing on, on Fletcher as this sort of this domineering central midfielder he was just doing his job well
0: yeah D- uh, just the fact that he's old and he's come from Manchester United doesn't mean that we should now make him the captain a comment on our Facebook page from Darren Allen would one of the best signings this summer be a new defence coach uh, and he suggested the name Noel Blake here, former Stoke player and current uh, England Under 19s coach. Um, that's an interesting point because we obviously had a bit of a horror show with the defence last season, and despite having good players in the in the defence on the whole, uh, Lee Grant had a good season. Uh, Shawcross and Martins Indy is a is a decent partnership on paper at least. So could 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 these issues be resolved with a, a new member of the backroom staff?
1: Potentially. I mean, it's something that we never really think about. Any you fans, you just think of Mark Hughes as manager and, and nothing else. It's all Mark Hughes. So... Maybe if, if they if you
0: bring up a defensive coach, they're gonna they're gonna do better yeah. in defence, which is what we need. We, so. we, we had Wilson Gate of course, basically uh, Mark Wilson suggesting that we didn't work on defence at all. So maybe maybe we should just hire someone to do that job. Maybe we should just hire Mark Wilson to be our new defence coach. <laughs> He's not doing anything else, I don't think. Yeah, we we just practice cutting inside and punting it <laughs> forward all day. Um so before we well, run, actually, but sorry, on. by the, when
1: you mentioned that Kurt Zouma with the skill today as Ooh, well, a yes. bit of a step over, a he's,
0: bit of a shot, shot from uh, and 30
1: yards, a pile driver. I'm, I'm a big fan of Kurt Zouma. C- yes, and today's like I was sort of one of those players I've always looked at Chelsea, and been like he's good without much seeing him. He's just one of those players that's mm. got something about him. I've always thought he's a good player. He's come to Stoke today and he's he proved. My sort of making it up in my head right Because he looked really good
0: What I like about both him and Fletcher as new signings Is um, People talk a lot about Katsuma being Like a big lad, physical prowess He's very quick as well, he's uh, he's still a young lad So he's able to get up and down The defence quick, so that might That might also benefit Shawcross Because Shawcross getting older uh, Having a quicker partner with him Could work, but I also Like that both he and Fletcher very intelligent players they they seem to read the game very well uh, fletcher i'd just noticed like fletcher doesn't run about a lot he's 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 quite an old player but he just kind of walks into the right position at the right time he got the ball he'd always t- take one touch and then just look and there was a couple of stray passes but on the whole fantastic distribution of the ball likewise zuma just read the game very well did a job without a fuss so, I've, I'm really pleased about those two signings. And Zuma often picks out that pass as well. Yeah. And he often look, like, looked forward and
1: tried to. Maybe it didn't work all the time. And that, that happened a few times today. I think mm-hmm. we've mentioned it. Like, passes were tried. They yeah. We tried through balls over the top. We tried playing in Berahino. and not all the time it's going to work. That, ha- that happened try. with
0: Shakiri a lot. What, what was pleasing about Shakiri was he used the ball very well, but the times he gave the ball away were. Just trying to just trying to dink it over the top, which is all right. You want you want to see players like Shakiri try something a bit more adventurous than the rest of the team. So I don't know, don't know about you. Over, over the course of this conversation, of <laughs> the suddenly uh, just a massive happy clapper. But um, yeah, I'm just I'm just picking out the the positives. And uh, so related to that, then how are we feeling about the new season? Everton is is dawning on us uh, we've obviously got a couple more friendly still to play we're going to St Pauli and Leipzig uh, which will be fun uh, but uh, does the Everton game still fill you with dread?
1: I did say that in the past I mean I was thinking at the end of that game I was looking at my, my phone for the time I was thinking I really don't want this to end it properly wet my appetite for football game. I was like I'm enjoying this game especially when, when Bojan and Hosalou and Juf came on because it really did just make us brilliant I think um, so it's going to be an interesting one against Everton I, I really do think it's it's not going to be as cut and dry as people think I mean they struggled in the Europa League the other night I didn't watch it I don't know if you did but I don't think they were brilliant um, yeah. and that I when when teams spend money like West Ham have and like Everton have it's very easy to get sort of really excited and think oh they're going to sort of smash it next season there's no guarantee that they're going to be brilliant come the first day of the season like us there's no guarantee that we're going to be awful I think like today has shown certainly in periods so it's just one of those where we've got to Turn up, and I'm really excited for it for when we turn up and, and just to see what happens. That, I mean, that's the beauty of a Stoke season, we don't really know where
0: we're going to go. Yeah, on the team of John O'Shea's podcast, we were on. Uh, Chris referred to this season as Schroding as Hughes. Um, so our season could be really great, it could be really terrible. We just can't look in the box just yet <laughs> because the cat might be dead. Um, on, on that happy note, um, we'll just round up. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we'll be back next week, hopefully, with some more uh some more positivity hopefully just maybe maybe by then we'll have signed Martin indy and Delph and canopoli anchor and Messi no right this is, it, mm. this is the second
1: podcast that we we've, we've been
0: positive by the way yeah chris I, and i's podcast last week was different now we've done it <laughs> see last season everyone thought we were just too negative all the time <laughs> this, this season we're going to be irritatingly positive <laughs> still no one will like us anyway um yeah, just a few things before uh, we go. I want to mention that wizardsofdrivel.com, we're putting uh, some blogs up on there. There's uh, another piece by Henry Koiter giving his uh, opinions from Holland about our transfer activity so far. And we're also uh, launching a new series where we ask other teams, podcasts, blogs, fanzines, uh, their views not only on their club season ahead, but also their views on Stoke as well. So there's one already up with the views of Liverpool and Crystal Palace and we're going to hopefully get all 19 clubs before the start of the season so new stuff going up on there every day Uh, Twitter at Wizards of Drivel Facebook.com I cannot stress enough how good Gareth's content has been Uh, he's taken over our Facebook page and he's just stuff every day Uh, some great Stoke nostalgia stuff and like just interesting graphics of like there was one the other day about like how many appearances our academy products had made that makes for interesting reading Uh, so facebook.com slash wizards of drivel patreon of course patreon uh, as always less than three less than three pounds a month gets you two extra wizards of drivel episodes so for a price of cup of coffee you can listen to us ramble on uh, for for like two hours extra a month so that's great isn't it Um, of course if you enjoy this episode uh, leave us a five star review on itunes that would be very much appreciated and finally, hopefully, for this episode, we've had our brand new theme tune courtesy of Stoke on Trent band Devonir. Uh, great band, check them out. We're, we're, we're big fans. So we've got a new theme tune and we're hopefully one that's uh, like no copyright issues on that. So all good, all good. Thank you very much, Ben. Thank you, Dave. I've, I've, I've enjoyed my day. That's Bolton Yes (laughs) Well I think we're in uh, Lostock rather than Bolton Uh, Uh,
1: Technicality.
0: (laughs) Stupid out of town grounds But uh, Thank you Go on Stoke Hello
2: It's uh, Chris here From The Wizards of Drivel Driving home After Visiting Sheffield For Sheffield United 2 Stoke City 1 Oh What um what an interesting friendly that was uh, this is just my, my my thoughts just coming straight out of the game getting in the car and driving home so if you do hear any car noises that's why um, wow um, so that first half was flipping awful absolutely awful I um, would let's address the elephant <laughs> in the room that is Ryan Shawcross like Oh, he was... It was uncomfortable watching him in that first half. I mean, his uh, head back to Lee Grant for Sheffield United's opening goal was terrifying. Um, And then after that, he just looked... Oh, so uncomfortable on the ball. Um, Glenn Johnson didn't help either. He looked lethargic. I mean, the entire team in that first half just did not look up to it we looked lazy in our passing um, we our first touch was all over the place oh goodness me um, not not good at all um, Ramadan unfortunately looked sluggish um, uh, and then uh, midfield three of Jeff Cameron Darren Fletcher and Joe Allen was, is not something I want to see on that first day of the season <laughs> which is a shame because that's probably what I will see. Um, the 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 only real moment of Stoke quality came with Shakiri and Ramadan linking up, and it ended in the Shakiri goal. So, uh, just shows that there is quality in this team. It's just defensively we are so suspect. Um, Sheffield United did just they were they were up for this first half, and they they came at us, and I think it took us. A, I don't know, I would say 25 minutes before we had a shot on target and at, at that point they'd had like six, seven shots, I don't know. That's how it felt anyway. Uh, second half Second half was a heck of a lot better. Um, Peter Crouch coming on really did change the game for us and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing that we still look on a 36-year-old for game-changing attributes. He came on and he created a lot more space. It was quite evident that Saido Barahino benefited much more from Crouch being uh, in that team, creating space, pushing forward. Same goes for Shakiri. Shaqiri in the second half was cutting inside a lot more and he was um, dangerous in that second half The Sheffield United fans Gave him uh, rapturous applause When he came off for Juve um, Which was odd to me Mainly because I was just like Well that, that's just what Shakiri does uh, But he i tell you what it is about Shakiri That's impressive He On numerous occasions in that second half uh, United players came to run him down And he Just Held on to the ball And managed to just dribble away from them um, it was nice to see and I do genuinely hope that he becomes the, the talisman of this season. He becomes, in, in, in Arnautovic's, sh- um, in, the, in the gap that Arnautovic has left, Shakiri becomes the main the main man because he did impress. Uh, Ramadan, yeah, same again. The, the space that Crouch created allowed Ramadan to flow uh, and, and run in behind. Um, we changed things up in that second half as well. We had... Uh, Boyan came on for for Sido, and the in fact we to be fair by the end of the match every player had changed apart from Lee Grant and uh, Ramadan Sobi. Um, I thought the two young wing backs or full backs impressed. Uh, it, it, the second Sheffield United goal at the end uh, their winner. It, it was a shame. Um, it was a simple lapse in defensive concentration from from us. We they had several shots in a space of a few seconds, and it just so happened that the ball. They played a nice ball out to their. Uh, I think it was their fullback on the right who overlapped, and our, uh Josh, um, Timon didn't really get to their player, and Mark Moneza wasn't marking there their striker who came and slotted in it was it was unfortunate because to be honest that second half we were the better team and um, we'd had a lot of decent chances um, namely probably one of the best was Imbula who uh, I, he, for the little time he came on I thought he did okay he had a nice shot he held the ball up well he even did a few step overs which was silly Um, shout out to Charlie Adam who uh, tried an overhead kick and just ended up booting a Sheffield United player because what would a friendly be without Charlie Adam taking out a player Um, and yeah so disappointed disappointing to lose the friendly I suppose but it's it's just pre-season isn't it and it's not the end of the world I suppose. Well, I think what concerns me, and I know it's just a friendly, so I shouldn't get so worked up. But I think what concerns me is we are so clearly a few players away from even uh, a starting eleven that can achieve something this season. I think if that starting eleven who started tonight went out, minus uh, Jack uh, Lead Grant, been replaced by Jack Butland, I think that that team would would struggle this season. Um, like I say, Crouch made the difference because he gave us a focal point who could hold players off, and our more creative players uh, could drift in and around him. We don't have a player like that apart from Crouch, and, and well, I suppose you can count Yosselu, but I don't know if he'll even be playing in the first team. It, it's such it's such an odd situation for Stoke because we 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 really part of me part of me wants us to go. And just use these young players, and then the, the, I think the majority of me just thinks that they're not they're not ready for that. To be to be the first team regulars. I I love Ramadan. I think yes, he was much better that second half. But I I'm more convinced tonight that we need to spend the Arnie money on a uh, Winger as well as maybe some other positions we need to fork out for a centre back would be good Bruno come to Stoke um, and even a defensive midfielder which is stupid considering the number of bloody midfielders we have yeah I'm not, I'm not down in the dumps about it it's a friendly and Sheffield United worked for it they played well to be fair to them they were all over us that first half we played better the second half just uh, couldn't finish any chances and they scored a uh, last minute tapping It's just, that's just pre-season, isn't it? But I do need to see Stoke do something in the next few weeks because otherwise I think I will worry. Oh, who knows? Who knows what will happen? Who knows what will happen in the next few days? Um, here's hoping something's happened back to you guys in the future.